Kia ora and welcome to Cancer Conversations, hosted by me, Helen King, journalist and cancer survivor, brought to you by Look Good, Feel Better and Dry July. Hello and welcome back to Cancer Conversations, the podcast where we have the conversations you never thought you'd need for the diagnosis you never want to hear. It's the last episode of this season and I have loved making it. I've also loved getting your feedback recently. Last week's episode with Sarah, where we talked about going back to work, has really hit home with a lot of you. So if there is a topic you want me to cover in the next season, just get in touch and let me know. My guest today is someone I have followed on Instagram for a while now. I love her straight shooting, no bear style. Camille Ferruzzi is a somatic movement coach in Philadelphia. We've had quite a few conversations about our experiences with the wellness industry as cancer survivors. Camille was diagnosed with AML, which is a type of blood cancer when she was 15. She's now been in remission for 15 years and like many of us, has fallen down a rabbit hole or two into the wellness space. I do want to stress that I don't think there's anything wrong with exploring different avenues when you're healing and trying to find health, and especially when you are facing a cancer diagnosis. I think the challenge for us in the cancer community is that we're vulnerable. We want answers. We want to regain a sense of control over our bodies. And I think that people who have incurable cancer are even more vulnerable for being exploited or sucked in by snake oil sellers. But I do think there is space for complementary treatments along with any other treatments that you have decided you have had. I think where we get in trouble is when things get black and white. And I will actually share an experience that I've had where that black and white thinking was very apparent. So during our conversation, Camille and I talk about what somatic movement is, the seductiveness of wellness, and why working with the nervous system is key to processing trauma after cancer. Welcome, Camille, to Cancer Conversations. I am so excited to talk to you. I am thrilled, Helen. <laughs> Forward to this. <laughs> I've been following Camille on Instagram for a little while. And I, I just, all your content resonates and I think, I think I came across you at the right time because you, you really talk so much about, um, I guess the, the challenges that we face and the pressures that, you know, are put on cancer survivorship. And so I feel like what you offer is what so many of us need to hear (laughs) and learn. Thank you for having me. (laughs) the aspect of your um, experience and, and what you do now that really fascinates me is that you are a somatic movement coach. And mm-hmm. I think starting by explaining what a somatic movement coach is. So, I mean, somatics as a study can be taken on in a few different realms. There's therapists, psychologists, and counselors who use it. Um, there's body workers, yoga teachers who use it. There's coaches. Um, it involves like neuroscience, psychology. So, you know, somatic 
Somatics for me kind of represents the middle ground of all of my interests and studies. So after I got sick, I got heavily, 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 as so many people do, um, into like Eastern medicine, holistic, alternative. I was, I was vegan. Uh, my chakras were aligned. I was doing it. I was in that world. I was talking about higher dimensions, 5D, all that good shit. I don't want to be eating Cheerios. I don't even know. It's like, it's, it's a, and I've talked about this heavily with you before. It's a very seductive entryway, especially after something like cancer, because as we've talked about, the modern Western medical system can feel so many people, leave them so feeling so depleted, lost, confused. I got my 200 hour yoga certification. I went to Thailand. <laughs> I became a Reiki master. I became a Chinate Song practitioner, which is like an abdominal massage technique. And I still love about Eastern and alternative medicine. I think that it has its weight. I think that it's absolutely important and substantial. But because the biggest thing that I can say about Eastern medicine is that it has such an easy entry point. Like it's very, it's built to easily understand, but it's very difficult to fully integrate. And on the other hand, so I went really, really far in that direction, right? Yeah, really, really into it. But I still, you know, I think for me, it always felt just a touch bullshit. Like I remember being at my yoga teacher training and being like, if one more person hugs me, like I'm going to freak out. So I still had this kind of desire for more of a down to earth. Like I wanted to be able to talk to people without using metaphors without using esoteric language. You know what I mean? I wanted to be able to really get into the depths of it. Get into, because, you know, it's healing isn't like butterflies and rainbows of anyone who's been through it. It's actually really gross. It's a really ugly process. So I ended up kind of circling back around and I became a personal trainer and a corrective exercise specialist. So, you know, those are very like linear textbook based knowledge systems, um, which also have their role and have their purpose. And so somatics is the bridge that connects the two for me because it utilizes both sensations, emotions with that logic. It pairs the two together and it it advocates, it prioritizes the nervous system and our external experiences while respecting the innate intelligence of our body and that not everything lives in a vacuum, let alone like there is no formula to healing. So essentially like as a somatic movement coach, I prioritize those aspects of, say, like personal training, corrective exercise through the lens of people's nervous systems, emotions, and sensations. Long-winded answer. You got me going. 
<laughs> I, <laughs> but I love this so much because even down to on your Instagram page, your description is, I help the jaded <laughs> and drained to define their own wellness to create clarity and confidence. I'm like, that is me. I'm jaded as, and drained. As are a lot of people. <laughs> what you're describing, I feel, is something that so many of us do. Like we, you come out of your treatment and there's so much, you're bombarded with a lot of information throughout. Everyone has an mm. opinion and all of those things. And I am of the opinion that you're in survival mode. So whatever gets you through, that gets you through. When I came out the other end, I was so confused and everything, Everything got worse. Like my eating got worse. Um, my body no longer did what it used to do. I didn't know how to heal that. And so this has been a five-year process of mm-hmm. continuously injuring myself because I, you know, I was ripped shit mm-hmm. and bust mm-hmm. before. And that was my MO. That was oh, how yeah. I lived my life. And I've I, and I've been exploring all of this stuff in the past couple of years. And going down some of those rabbit holes of a little bit alternative and realizing, you know, some of this shit is a little bit weird and actually kind of dangerous and perhaps not where I need to be. But where it has landed me is, is you need to slow down. I need to work with people who respect that. And actually, it's really time to come home to my body and treat and be kind to it. I think post-cancer is so tough because cancer in and of itself is such an umbrella term. You know, I had AML. And I'm sure my individual Mm. experience within AML looked very, very different than somebody else's. So then you apply that to the all of the cancers in the world and you know some people get chemo some don't some get surgeries radiation some people you know i had to go the naked mole rat route you know like i looked by the time i was getting my transplant it was just i had the steroid chipmunk cheeks and the snake skin bald as shit you know what i mean but uh other people who don't necessarily have that visceral physical appearance it's like it's still emotionally mentally fucked and then people who do end up losing their hair you know dropping a lot of weight looking like we're gonna just die at any moment that's also a trip because then your your physical comes back first so then people are like i look so good i'm like i feel like i want to crawl into a hole and die rather than have this conversation right now. <laughs> I looked like a naked mole rat as well. Um, I was mm. bald head to toe, but my skin looked amazing. Head to toe, so <laughs> Yeah? Yeah. Skin looked amazing after eight rounds of chemo, <laughs> but not a hair on my body. Worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I say with neuropathy and pain, (laughs) but my skin looks great. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of, I think it's hard for people because there's a lot of, you know, it's very similar to just your typical mental illness. Like it's, it can't be seen. So it's just not taken seriously. And how could you go through something like cancer and not experience anxiety or depression or, or PTSD or any of the 
mental illnesses that are complicated enough on their own, but then you slap a cancer experience on top of that and it becomes even more of this like confusing space to navigate. I think it just becomes a lot more complex to treat because, you know, sure there's, there's a, there's an imbalance, but again, it's like, we've, we've kind of died because there's no going back to before but I still am the same person. So it's just a very confusing space to be at some points. You know, I'm 15 years out. And, you know, I think the only thing that gives me a leg up on is like my sense of humor. (laughs) And maybe, maybe being able to communicate things that people are feeling just a little bit better because I've just had more time to marinate it and work through it myself but it's still a very confusing place for me to be at points for sure I think it's a really good point and something you said recently on your Instagram that I thought needs to be shouted from the rooftops more often (laughs) is that you owe you don't owe anyone anything you don't owe them to be a good Mm. cancer survivor you don't have to start a charity or I don't know climb Mount Everest for I mean Mm. if you want to do those things if you want to do it go for it I think um and I think it's because a lot of language surrounded around cancer has evolved into like support equals like you're so brave you know like you're such a warrior you're such a strong princess and it's like dog i'm just trying not to throw up on you right now like that's all i'm trying to do and i think that 99.9% of the time people are doing the best they can in terms of offering support, it's uncharted territory. But I think for cancer patients, it's like, it's not one or two people saying this type of shit. It's almost everyone saying this type of shit over and over and over again. Sure. Once you come out of active treatment to then do something as like, oh, I made it. So I have to do something with this. Right. And it's like, I completely rejected cancer for like 10 fucking years. You know what I mean? I was like, I want nothing to do with this. This is not who I am. This is not my identity. You know, all I wanted to do post cancer, I kept saying, oh, I was like, I just want to be a normal kid again. I just want to be a normal kid again. I just want to go to high school. I want to make stupid decisions. I want to go to college. I completely stuffed it down. And I think that that is okay. Because eventually it will come back, but there'll be a better space to process, to integrate, and to figure out where you want to place cancer in terms of hierarchy and priority. There's no formula for it. Like some people get out of this shit and they are very already very active within the cancer community i was not that person i wanted i wanted nothing to do with it <laughs> it really depends it really does and it makes that makes so much sense i feel like 
I felt very lost at the end. I'd lost a lot of friends. Um, I mm-hmm. felt different. Like I'd lost my career. You know, everything had gone mm-hmm. and I was questioning everything. I didn't know at the time that I have ADHD. Compounding a cancer diagnosis on top of all of those things, I look back at it with a lot more compassion now and considering the sensory overload that was cancer treatment and why I would have meltdowns all the time mm. and and why I still have meltdowns when there's too much sensory input. Yeah. But also I guess I didn't trust my body and I stopped trusting people because it was like I can't plan for the future right now because my body has kind of betrayed me. And I you can't even plan for the next day. No, um, <laughs> let alone, you know, climb Mount Everest. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it is this, yeah, there, I think there is this pressure on people who have had cancer to achieve something amazing and be beacons of health afterwards. Because I think there's also this guilt. Like there's this guilt that comes along with surviving cancer as far as like, I was in active treatment and all I wanted to do was get my life back. And now that I have my life back, I feel like worse, which is confusing, you know, like how dare me I'm getting here. I am my life away that I fought so hard to be here with. And it's just like, yeah, I wish it was that simple. I wish that the, you know, us surviving cancer equated to immediately like feeling that utter gratitude every day. But it's just, you have a lot of processing to do because as you said, your body is in survival mode and it's not for a day. It's not for a moment. It's for an extended period of time. So you have to rewire and unravel that entire experience, both mentally, physically, emotionally. So yes, yeah, some days you're still going to be pissed off. Like, it's okay. <laughs> still figuring it out. It really is. And I think that's a, it is a great point to make. And it, it sort of goes back to something you said earlier, that especially as, you know, a, a teenager, that your peers were, you know, they were interested in prom and where are you going to college mm. and all of those things. And um, I guess the equivalent for myself has been, you know, all my peers have children and they, you know, mm-hmm. have different career trajectories than I have had. And part of me is like, oh, you know, that has been, a, it's an ongoing process of of accepting those things. Um, and sometimes when I look at, you know, what people are doing, it's like, I feel like an alien, <laughs> on, you know, from the outside in going, God, what is that life? What is it like to have that family and, and that sort of stuff? And so I, yeah, there are so many facets of what we experience. And I don't know what you're, what it's like in the States or what it's like being for you, but trying to find people who can help you through it, who aren't like unqualified or yeah <laughs> going to align your chakras and say that <laughs> that's, <laughs> that that's like all better now um eat a lemon for seven days and you're cured oh my gosh I think I've shared this before <laughs> I think I've shared this with you oh, no. that, um I was on a I was 
on a online webinar and um yeah. for for yeah. an organization that helps people impacted by cancer and the person taking it said that if I or someone like my partner couldn't commit to juicing every day then I wasn't taking my recovery seriously and yes you have totally <laughs> I know feel I like, was like you've got to be fucking kidding me yeah I know like I just I can't I don't have time for juicing <laughs> just but also like juicing in and of itself isn't a solution and it also depending on you as an individual will make you feel worse Absolutely. Like, and I think that was an issue for you too you were like I don't like how this makes my body feel no not at all you know I think that's a it's a big problem in the wellness world it's like people are adopting entire protocols and programs that might have worked for them you know um which is great like I'm when I work with clients it's like hey if you come in and you tell me that you colored your leg purple and it made you like we'll try it out everything is worth a conversation and I think there's such an obsession right now and there's like a race to be right like my program is the best and it's like for some people it will be you know, and that's maybe an uncomfortable zone for like coaches and um, entrepreneurs to be in within the wellness space, but it's true. Like you have to accept the fact that you will never have all the answers. If that's a big red flag. If you go to a coach, if you go, when you're looking at your support team, I don't care if they've been to med school or not, if they are black and white this is how it is you know say with the juicing like even if she brought up juicing in that presentation was like hey this is you know what i do for my clients i've had really great success with that it's a shame that she's she's gotten so pigeonholed into her own views into her own circle that she's not willing to look at like the sheer amount of people who like juicing makes you feel like shit you do that i'm one of them i thought celery juice was going to make me feel awesome like whatever that's how and i'm not saying that maybe in a different part of my life maybe celery juice would be great right but that's also the thing about wellness your routines your protocols are going to evolve and change and you have to be flexible like as soon as you get rigid that's when you need that's you gotta you gotta re-examine rigidity is and again i get it i get the seduction like you you want to just be done some days you're like i want the formula i want two to plus two to equal four i want to check this off i want to be done but as i've said it's like we're onions you're going to peel back one layer and like something is going to come out of left field and you're going to be like what the fuck is this and it doesn't mean you're regressing it doesn't mean you're not healing it doesn't mean there's you're doing anything wrong it's just like the way of your experience, like you're, you're navigating different experiences at the same time. You're navigating everything that you've done, experienced through childhood up until this moment. Like you're going to be pulled in different directions, especially with fucking cancer. (laughs) Forget it. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you get cancer. So 
Yay. Have fun with that. <laughs> Yay. Ooh, I'm so lucky. Um, that is, that's a lifetime of experiences in and of itself. You know what I mean? That nobody asked for. I remind my clients who have cancer, it's like, I know that you did not ask for this. And I know that it's almost like you have these different, like they're not the rose colored sunglasses. They're something black and scary, but like sometimes have glitter. You know what I mean? Like I've said this before, it rips you apart to an incredible depth that some people will never have the pleasure of going to in their fucking lifetime. And that can be incredibly isolating. It can be incredibly painful. It can make you question your entire existence. But, you know, and I, I get it. It's, it's, it's so maddening because at the end of the day, you didn't ask for this journey or adventure or like some days you're like, I, I would want, I want to go back. Ignorance is bliss through and through with this shit, but it's also insanely beautiful as far as like that to me is what you get out of it in terms of your second lease on life these perspectives the depth that you can see to the pain in which you can feel the range of human experience that you have been through is unprecedented it's unmatched yeah oh my god yes (laughs) um (laughs) yeah and I think it's important that people hear those things. I and mean, that may not be your experience. And, you know, I think there is such a range. But I relate to mm-hmm. that so much. Like I sometimes, there have been moments over the past five years where I have sat there thinking, I cannot believe how bad my life has got. Like, yeah, it just, yeah just these moments where I, th- yeah, it's just, it's really hard to comprehend that how, bad it has got and those yeah that depth of feeling and I think part of that challenge certainly in my experience has been there really isn't a template for healing or you know getting better and those sorts of things I think because there's so much focus on the treatment the Mm -hmm. you know that actually the after part is just as important to you know support a person back into a level of health that feels good that you're kind of left scrambling around trying to figure out does this work does this thing work that isn't working and I've um tried so many things where you know I think I've shared with you um you know going down maybe a sort of more alternative um route where you know that there is that thing of oh you know you can release your um trauma and pain and going, okay, well, I've apparently released it. Why do I still feel so shitty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where the nervous system regulation comes in. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Let's talk a little bit about that because this is something sure. that I'm still learning, and but I think mm-hmm. is really valuable um, because our nervous system, certainly mine, was just shaken. Mm-hmm. That whole cancer experiment. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great to begin with, <laughs> unfortunately, but um, I think 
the cancer experience itself um, really can do a number and on your should, nervous system. Should. Yeah. That means your nervous system's working. So congratulations on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so, you know, to put it simply, something uh, as abrupt as cancer is going to, because it's high stress and it's high stress for a long period of time. So your body is naturally going to go into its protective responses. And the problem that can arise with cancer is we can, so the event happens, right? Cancer happens, right? That's phase one for simplicity's sake. Phase two, you know, I exit treatment. I'm now transitioning from a cancer patient into a cancer survivor. So why do I feel worse? This is a really big question that I get asked a lot from people. And it's, it's because your body is still processing the cancer patient part, right? So you are physically out, back out in your external world. You're going back to work. You're seeing friends. You're back at home, whatever, whatever. But your body, because it was just in survival mode for a long time, needs space and time and tools to come back to the present moment where you're at, which is a position of, cool, we're safe, and now we can thrive. Your nervous system doesn't know that yet because it's been so locked in. And this, you know, it's... It's universal. So it's not just specific to cancer. This happens to any either major shock to your system that has happened too quickly. It's been too much sensation or it has been ongoing. So think, you know, sexual assault, childhood abuse, um, you know, things like car accident. It's like it can really be anything that was just too much for your system to navigate at that point. So it got either, you know, kind of stuck on or stuck off. Um, essentially, it wasn't, your body wasn't able to complete the threat response cycle and come back down into neutral territory of like, cool, we're good. Because as we know, specifically with cancer, there's a lot of uh, physical things going on, especially, you know, my experience was chemo. So like, my body's literally trying not to die here day in and day out for an extended period of time, let alone the mental and emotional things coming up. Like cancer is a very physical experience and your nervous system is responding to that. And essentially what happens is why we sometimes feel worse. So to say, like, I remember you were telling me about, like, you were like, I did a breath work situation. You're like, I'm kind of freaked out. So, so what happens is because our system is still stuck in survival mode, we're like, we're going to heal walls deep. We sign up for, you know, the breath work class followed by the hot yoga, followed by the ice bath, followed by, you know, the psychedelic retreat. But it's all about you literally have to walk your nervous system down a set of steps to safety. So things like breath work, things like uh, ice baths, and they're intense experiences, right? So for a normal nervous system that's regulated, 
those are going to feel good and give you that again, that natural cycle is going to get completed. But for somebody who's dysregulated, you're just going to enter a further state of dysregulation, which is why you can feel like, you know, a raw exposed nerve after doing some of these wellness modalities. <laughs> be too much again. It's, it's such an important message because, um, mm. you know, I've talked to other people about it as well. Like I, I actually started seeing an amazing um, therapist and we've done some mm-hmm. EMDR therapy together, yeah. which has been, you know, really helpful. Um, I've done havening, which is similar, and that's also been very helpful. But I think the difference is, um, is that integration piece is that I was being held yes. in a safe space with a trained professional who every week I could go back to and be held again in a safe space to talk about what was going on. And, you know, I think if there's any message for anyone who's going down those, it's to make sure that what they're doing is safe to them and that there is that integration and after support because yeah, you're right. Like you can just go into these things with this sort of promise of, oh, this is going to be healing and really, you know. Yeah, it's so seductive. Yeah, yeah. Because we want to be healed. You want to be healed. And you want that, you think most, more often than not, you think that healing requires this like over the top, visceral release, right? And it's similar to, I have to climb Mount Everest and I have to rewrite the Bible, right? We think because we had such an over-the-top shit experience of trauma that healing must match that piece for piece, right? But it's, it's not how it typically works, you know? And this is why somatics is incredibly helpful because somatics will you know you work with bits of information and just expand 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 you know and you just track what's going on in your body with this little bit of information so people who are just now kind of getting into wellness and healing around cancer it's like you want to go naturally most of us they want to go fast and hard you're like i want this to be done I want to get over it. So I want to go to the most extreme, like what I'm going to get the biggest release from. Of course you do, but it it doesn't, it's not a measurement of your processing or your integration as we've talked about. I feel like you're talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) It's just because I've, I've lived it too, man. Like, I've been that person. I've lived that life. Again, I think the only difference between where I'm at and other people who survive cancer is just I've had more time to do more stupid shit and walk away from it and be like, well, that didn't work. (laughs) I feel worse. I think because I was an athlete growing up, because like movement, that world was just so easy for me to segue into. So that's why it really just continued on in like my studies and my work. It was just a very natural progression for me. But if you're somebody who say doesn't already have that connection with your body, you know, especially because you can get out of cancer. Maybe you had surgery, 
like you're there's a lot of physical changes that can happen which are very 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 challenging for people so it's kind of like you're really starting from ground zero and it's that very esoteric language that's often used that you're just kind of like what did you say but it sounded cool like it sounded good i think i want that Oh, and you might have a really big release. That key, key part, that integration is that processing. Did you just re-shit your nervous system out? Like, probably. <laughs> yes. I mean, then this could be a whole other conversation, so we may have to do another episode, but it's just been, I've been mm. thinking about this as we've been talking. Um. I think when you've had cancer as well, that it's this thing of your body has failed you in some way or you've caused it. I'm a bigger woman um, and I have been a yo-yo dieter since I was about 20. Um, And so I often feel a lot more pressure as well about losing weight and that that's going to, Mm -hmm. you know, strengthen my chances. And there's part of me now that is really resistant to it because I feel like I have – punished my body for so long that I no longer want to do that and I'm just really drawn to things that feel gentle and loving and are are trying to undo all the damage of all those years of um, punishing myself with exercise a really shitty relationship with food so that's where you start yeah you have to repair that first Because then once you have that understanding, once you have that, um, you know, healthy relationship with exercise, with food, whatever, then you can introduce those pain points, those ass kicking points, right? Because it's rooted in, I'm doing this because I love myself. I'm I'm no longer doing this because I fucking hate myself and I'm punishing myself and there's shame and guilt around it. It's like, no, I'm going to, do this hard thing because I love myself and I can see the benefit of it, but it has to be rooted in love. Whereas often it's rooted in hate. And I think our bodies know that it is wacky woo woo. So oh, one sounds, yeah. But I think, you know, it says, I don't want you to treat me like this anymore. Um, out, dude. <laughs> Stop. So I, oh gosh, I feel like I could ask you lots of other questions and we could end up having like a three hour long conversation, but we can save some stuff for another episode. But if people want to contact you or they want to work with you, how can they find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm at Circus Citra and my website is just circuscitra.com. But I would say Instagram is usually the best way to message me. And I have a specific community called Landing that is designed for the cancer community um, because, you know, that's something that I never had. (laughs) And um, it was just, you know, it kind of came into fruition naturally. And um, I also offer a couple other programs for like you said, you know, people who are just jaded and trained with uh, wellness in general. But you can always shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm, I'm around. 
That's awesome. And I highly recommend following Camille. She is just <laughs> has so many gems. And any time I think I need to go down another rabbit hole of wellness, you seem to pop up and remind me that that is not the rabbit hole I need to go down. So you thank can you. go down rabbit holes. It just ha- you just got to keep your cool about it. Rabbit holes and be like, oh shit, I need to buy these gemstones because <laughs> I am blocked. I'm not going to enter 5D if I don't do this. Some guy on the internet told me. <laughs> I love it. It's so easy. I still I still do it, you know? Absolutely. Just for funsies. <laughs> hey, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much, Helen. I loved talking to you. Thanks for joining me for the first season of Cancer Conversations. I'm taking a short break, but I will be back in July with new episodes. Come follow me on Instagram at the C word underscore radio, because you'll have opportunities to ask guests questions before I interview them, including a sexologist and a trauma expert. You can expect stories from people like yourself in season two who are facing cancer or who are recovering. If you want to find out more about what Look Good Feel Better offer, head over to their website. All of that information is in the show notes. They offer webinars, in-person groups, and so much more. They do amazing work to support people who are facing cancer. So thank you again, and I will see you next season.